This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It's time for Speak Legal, conversations with Community Law Otago, made with the support of Law Faculty, University of Otago. Yes, in this weekly spot, excuse me, <clears throat> we get an opportunity to drill down into some of the uh, particular aspects of New Zealand law that affect our daily lives. And perhaps if you are facing uh, the uh, opportunity to be part of a criminal trial or otherwise, you, from whatever angle you're taking it, might be interested in learning a little bit more about certain types of evidence. And uh, joining us today to talk about that, Samantha Fowler. Samantha Morena, nice to have you with us. Kia ora, thank you for having me. We're going to focus today on visual and voice identification evidence. Um, so let's, again, start with a bit of definition there. What are they? So both voice and visual identification evidence are types of opinion evidence. Because when you identify someone by what you see or hear, you're making an inference as to who that person is based on observed facts. Section 4 of the Evidence Act defines both voice and visual identification evidence for us. So visual identification evidence means evidence that is an assertion by a person based wholly or partly on what that person saw to the effect that a defendant was present at or near a place where an act constituting direct or circumstantial evidence of the commission of an offence was done at or about the time the act was done. Voice identification evidence means evidence that is an assertion by a person to the effect that a voice, whether heard first-hand or through mechanical or electronic transmission or recording, is the voice of a defendant or any other person who is connected with an act constituting direct or circumstantial evidence of the commission of an offence. Right, and I guess you know there are times when police are, are searching for something to tie someone to a, uh, an action and it's not always immediately clear through other points of evidence and sometimes you might just have one or the other visual evidence or voice identification evidence which would be super, super important in terms of being able to identify someone. Yes, yes, of course. So tell us about the admissibility rules around visual identification evidence. Right, so Section 45 of the Evidence Act governs the admissibility rules around visual identification evidence. This means how we can get it into court. The admissibility rules change depending whether or not a formal procedure was followed. For example, whether the visual observation was made as soon as practical or whether there was a photo montage comparing the defendant to no fewer than seven other persons of similar appearance. This is like when we see the lineup in TV shows. If a formal procedure was followed by law enforcement, or if there was a good reason for not following the procedure, then the evidence is admissible unless the defendant proves on the balance of probabilities that the evidence is unreliable. If a formal procedure is not followed and there was no good reason for not following, that evidence is inadmissible unless the prosecution proves beyond reasonable doubt that the circumstances in which the identification was made have produced a reliable identification. We are given some guidance as to what are good reasons for not following a formal procedure, such as a refusal of the suspect to take part in the procedure, the singular appearance of the suspect, or a substantial change in the appearance of the suspect after the alleged offence occurred and before it was practical to hold a formal procedure. So the admissibility of visual identification evidence is really about how reliable the evidence is and whether we should put it before the fact finder. Okay, and the fact finder being the judge or the jury. 
Yeah, yeah. So what are the admissibility rules around voice identification evidence? Right, so Section 46 of the Evidence Act tells us that rules around voice identification evidence are slightly different. Voice identification evidence offered by the prosecution in a criminal proceeding is inadmissible unless the prosecution proves on the balance of probabilities that the circumstances in which the identification was made have produced a reliable identification. So the scope of Section 46 governing voice identification is wider and covers identification evidence of any person who has any connection to the crime and not just limited to the defendant whereas the rules around visual evidence only pertain to visual identification of the defendant. The key difference between voice and visual identification evidence is that visual identification evidence is presumptively admissible if obtained following a formal procedure, whereas voice identification evidence is presumptively inadmissible. This is because, as you can probably tell, voice identification is generally less reliable than visual identification evidence. Right. So what are some of the factors in deciding whether voice identification is reliable? The voice identification evidence must be more likely than not to produce a reliable identification to be admitted. We should therefore be considering facts like how familiar was the witness with the voice they identified? Does the voice have any particular identifiable features? How long did they hear the voice for? In what manner was the voice being used? Were they, were they whispering? Was there any delay between the witness hearing the speech and making the identification? Like, did they hear it and then they heard the voice again a week later and then suddenly realised who it was? Or if it was recorded uh, using a voice recorder or whether there was background noise, like if there's static or what what quality of the recording is. Um, And anything about the circumstances of the identification that may create a psychological predisposition to identify a person selected by the investigator. Mm. Yeah, a bit more complicated, that one, isn't it? So, Samantha, why yeah. why is it that we have these rules? So, even though people may be very, very confident about what they saw and heard and believe uh, that what they're saying is the truth, this, this does not necessarily mean that this will be correct. We can see how factors, as I've just mentioned above, can easily affect an identification. Therefore, there is a serious risk of miscarriage of justice if we do not have these rules for admissibility and allow unreliable evidence to be presented in a very confident manner. This is why we have Section 126 of the Evidence Act, which states that the judge must warn the jury of the special need for caution before finding the defendant guilty in reliance of the correctness of visual or voice identification evidence. There has been some debate over whether we should get experts in to give evidence on the potential dangers of identification identification evidence, as scientific research has shown how unreliable it can be. However, it's generally held that this is already within the jury's common knowledge. Interesting stuff, Um, Samantha. uh, Does the criminal law particularly appeal to you? Is that why you've delved into the subject today? Yes, yes, I I do have a particular interest in criminal law. Well, uh, good luck with your continued journey towards that. And thank you so much for bringing uh, this topic to us today here on ORFM. We speak legal with Community Law Otago every week, delving into aspects of New Zealand law that uh, sometimes a little bit mysterious to us. You can find the podcast from the series up online from our website, oar.org.nz, where you can uh, listen again and get your head around uh, some of these really fascinating aspects of New Zealand law. Uh, Samantha, thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to catching you further again in a few weeks. Kia ora, thank you. Community Law Otago. 
free legal advice and support for the people of Otago, visit our weekday advice clinics at 169 Princess Street, Dunedin. Clinic session times are available from the website communitylawotago.com. Ring 474-1922 or 0800-169-333 if calling from outside Dunedin. Speak Legal is made with support from the Law Faculty, University of Otago, Training for Life. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.